Is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? Question, should a Christian be involved in politics? Should a Christian be involved in politics? Yeah, a lot of people would say, oh no, you know, and in fact someone told me you never talk about politics from the pulpit and you never talk about sex from the pulpit. There's two things you don't talk about, sex and politics from the pulpit of a church. Well, I'm not sure about that. A lot of people would say though, no, politics should not be involved. We need to sit back, practice our religion. You know, we need to read the Bible, live the Christian life and not get involved. And so my question is, should a Christian get involved in politics? Now I know that, you know, politicians, they've really taken a bad rap. You know, it's sort of like an honest politician. Well, that's a contradiction, you know, and how do you know when a politician is lying? Uh, well, when his lips are moving and all the jokes that you hear and, you know, like Karnak the Magnificent, you know, um, good start. 20 politicians at the bottom of the sea. You know, and it's all kinds of jokes out there about politicians. But the word politics, the word politics is the science or art of government. In other words, how to govern a people or one's life. That, that's really what the word is. It's the science or art of government. You can go to college to study the science of government or the art of government. And the Bible, believe it or not, is very much concerned with the art of government. Or, I should say, the Bible is very much concerned with politics. In fact, Jesus came on the scene as, you realize that Jesus came upon the scene promising, talking about the soon coming kingdom of God. And the people of that time, they, a lot of his disciples, you know, they wanted that government of God. They wanted a government that would overthrow the Roman existing government, government, and they were looking for the kingdom of God, and Jesus comes talking about the soon coming kingdom of God that he's going to set up. Now, they didn't know it was going to be 2,000 years later, but, you know, that message posed a threat to the established government of Jesus' day. It really did. His very message that he came with posed a threat. And I don't know if you ever thought about this, but if Jesus would not have been considered a political threat, he probably never would have been killed. Let me prove that to you. John 11 and verse 45. It says, Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Now, this is right after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And by this time, Jesus is getting a lot of fame, a lot of recognition. He's actually developing a lot of power here because he's being noticed. I mean, raising a man from the dead. I mean, this Lazarus, he'd actually uh, delayed uh, raising him from the dead for four days. 
there was a teaching among the Jews that the spirit of the body hovered around the, the, the body for three days. So Jesus deliberately waited four days, came there, resurrected Lazarus, and people were talking. I mean, they were amazed at the power that this man had, and his recognition and fame was growing. But let's notice what happens here in verse 46. But some of them went their way to the Pharisees and told them, what things Jesus had done. Yeah, you always got your toadies there going around, you know. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, what do we do? This man does many miracles. If we let him alone, now notice this, if we let him alone, all men will believe on him and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Folks, this is politics to the core right here. Jesus posed a threat to the existing government of his day. And the attitude was, if we don't do something about this, politically, we're dead unless we do something about this man. Jesus is dealing with the real power shakers of his day. You know, Jesus did not just address the man on the street. He addressed the corruption of government. You might say that Jesus dove right into politics. And so many people today just, you know, I just want to practice my religion. I just want to go to church, you know, touch bases with the Lord, make sure I'm in good with the Lord, maybe go to church Christmas and Easter, make sure I'm, I, got, I touched all the bases there and made it back to home. And, uh, you know, I just want to practice my religion. I don't want to get involved in standing up for anything. You know, I just want to practice pure religion. Listen, there's no such thing as pure religion. When evil is present, pure religion condemns it. Are you with me on that? Do you understand what I just said? The idea that I'm just going to sit in a monastery and I'm just going to worship God. I'm just going to praise God. Listen, pure religion, when, when evil is present, pure religion speaks out against it. Again, if Jesus would not have Considered, been considered a political threat, he would not have been killed. Now, let's talk about John the Baptist. Now, this was a real man right here, John the Baptist, and he got himself killed. Guess why he got himself killed? Well, for speaking out against the king, the governor, or whatever he was. King Herod, I think. Now, let's, or Herod was his name. Let's notice this. In Mark 6 and verse 17, for Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John, this is John the Baptist, and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother's Philip's wife, for he had married her. Now this, this was an adulterous, forbidden relationship that he had here. And it says, for John had said unto Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now you talk about the gall this man had. This, this man of God goes to Herod and says, it's not right for you to have her. When evil is present, pure religion condemns it. This is the ruler of the country here he's talking to. The ruler of the country. And, and I don't know what it is, but it's like we're just sitting around playing dumb. We're, we're, when I hear people pretending not to know what constitutes a marriage, well, what is it? Is it really a man and a woman, husband and wife that constitutes a marriage? I mean, maybe it's two men. Maybe it's two women. You know, maybe it's a man and a cat or a man and a dog or a 
a man and a llama or whatever. You know, it's just, it's idiotic when people pretend not to know what constitutes a marriage. We're playing dumb. But we like to play dumb. We do. We, we, we love to play dumb. Back when, I think it was Clinton was president. Remember the, the scandal, the sex scandal with Monica Lewinsky? Uh, some commentary, commentator, newscaster said this. She said, he, she said, well, she had sex with him, but he didn't have sex with her. I think they were oral sex in the White House, if you can believe that. Man, what a disgrace. But, and then this was the comment, this is what the person said. Well, she had sex with him, but he didn't have sex with her. Is there a wife on planet Earth that would go along with that? I mean, the husband comes home, honey, uh, she had sex with me, but I didn't have sex with her. Is there any woman on planet Earth that would go along with that? I don't think so. I, mean, I hope not. Listen, I'll tell you something. We have an administration right now that is hostile. Now, let me back up. It's one thing to be hostile toward God. It's another thing altogether to be hostile toward the principles found in the Bible. We have an administration right now in the White House, the Obama, let me clarify, the Obama administration that is hostile toward principles found in your Bible. And when your nation is hostile, when the leadership is hostile toward principles found in the Word of God, it is a death sentence upon your nation. You can put that in your pipe and smoke it, okay? I know you don't want to believe it, but it's the truth. Let me illustrate some things right here for you. January 2009, Obama lifts restrictions on U.S. government funding for groups that provide abortion service, services or counseling abroad, forcing taxpayers to fund pro-abortion groups that either promote or perform abortion, abortions in other nations. Lift the restrictions on U.S. government funding for groups that provide abortion services. This is amazing. Now, you know, I, I'm all for choice. I think a woman has the choice to not get pregnant. I mean, that, that's a logical choice right there. I'm not gonna get pregnant. I'm all for choice. Choice is good. Again, we have an administration that is hostile toward the principles found in your Bible. May 2009, the White House budget eliminates all funding for abstinence-only education and replaces it with comprehensive sexual education, repeatedly proven to increase teen pregnancy and abortion. Yeah, that's how stupid our society is. You know, if it's not working, let, yeah, let's vote it in. It doesn't work, so let's keep it going. It's been proven to increase teen pregnancy and abortion. What's wrong with abstinence-only program? Abstinence-only? You know, I tell you what's wrong with it from our society's perspective. What's wrong with it is it requires a little discipline. That's what's wrong with it. And we don't want anything that requires any discipline around here. No, we just want to go hog wild at it. Yeah. February 2011, Obama directs the Justice Department to stop defending the Federal Defense of Marriage Act. What? Stop defending? The federal defense of marriage. What's wrong with marriage? What's wrong with a man and a woman still getting married today? Is there something wrong with that? Unless you have an alternative motive to maybe pretend you don't know what constitutes a marriage. That's the only reason I can think you would stop 
you know, stop this as far as the Justice Department is concerned. Unless you wanted to play dumb and say, well, I don't know what constitutes a marriage. Maybe, you know, maybe it's two men. Maybe it's two women. March 2011, the Obama administration refuses to investigate video, uh, videos showing Planned Parenthood helping alleged sex traffickers get abortions for victimized underage girls. Now, I actually saw that video. Planned Parenthood is an evil, diabolical administration organization. Just look up on the internet, uh, Planned uh, Parenthood exposed. And you'll watch, you can see what actually happened. They went in there with some video cameras and a guy was posing as a pimp. It's, it's a fascinating story, but the corruption in that organization will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. Uh, July 2011, Obama allows homosexuals to serve openly in the military, reversing a policy originally instituted by George Washington in March 1778. You know, like I said, when, when your administration is hostile, it's one thing to be hostile toward God. It's another thing to be hostile toward the principles found in your Bible. When you have a leadership that is hostile toward principles in your Bible, it's your death sentence of a nation. You're going to kill yourself when you have that in, in power. Okay, well let's notice what happened to John the Baptist. I almost forgot to tell the rest of the story. Let's notice what happens to John the Baptist. He said it's not lawful for you to have this adulterous relationship. Okay, Mark 6 and verse 22. His daughter, that is Herodias' daughter, came in and danced. Herod and his guests were delighted with her. The king told the girl, ask for anything you want and I'll give it to you. And he swore an oath to her, I'll give you anything you ask for up to half of the kingdom, half of my kingdom. So she went and asked her mother, what should I ask for, mom? Her mother said, ask for the head of John the Baptist. You know, this woman did not like John the Baptist speaking out against her evil. Now, my point is this. It cost John the Baptist his head for speaking out against the powers that be. And it could cost you your head. It could get you killed. And I think for that reason, we would rather as Christians lay low, not get involved, play church, hide behind our glass cathedrals, you know, and not do anything. Did you know that a third of Christians don't even bother to vote? I mean, if this is not, if this is, isn't insanity, I don't know what is. Because the reason I say that is this, you know, who is it that is supposed to have principle and values and Christian values? Who is it that is supposed to know what God requires? Well, it's supposed to be the Christians. And if you don't vote, you're allowing the non-believers, the unbelievers, the pagans, those who despise and hate God, you're allowing them to vote if you're not willing to stand up for your values and vote your conscience. Now, I admit, when we vote, you know, I, really when you vote, you're just choosing the lesser of two evils. But you should stand up for the lesser of two evils. In other words, if I'm looking at two candidates, 
and one knows what constitutes a marriage and the other one does not, I'm going to vote for the one who knows what constitutes a marriage because that's what God expects from me. To vote for what I know is right. I don't kid myself in thinking that any candidate is going to solve all my problems that I have or that this world has. I do not vote according to my pocketbook. The government cannot give you anything that it doesn't take from someone else. So it has nothing for me as far as voting because someone's going to put some money in my pocket. That's not the reason I vote. I vote according to character, the character of a man. That's, why, that's how I vote. Now, let's consider this. Every prophet God sent was political. In that, he was sent to those who govern. You know, you can study this for yourself. Just look at the prophets that God sent. God didn't send these prophets to Joe Blow down the street who didn't, didn't matter what he said or what he did. Anyway, I mean, God sent the prophets. All of them were political in the sense that they were sent to those who govern. Now, when I talk about this, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about starting a power base that Christians ought to get together and start a coalition. And, you know, I'm not talking about that because that scares people. That scares people. You know, people think, oh boy, these religious fanatics, I mean, that's the last thing we need is something like that. I'm not talking about starting a power base. What the Bible tells us is that we as Christians are to be leaven, like leavening in a society. We are to spread out and individually, one-on-one, -on -one, and we are to vote our conscience, and we are to vote for morality, and we are to stand up and speak against evil when we see it. In the workplace, at home, you know, in your business, we are to speak up for that when we see evil. To remain silent over these issues of morality, such as refusing to vote, you know, that, that can destroy you. That can destroy a nation. When those who do know what is right refuse to even vote. It's amazing, but it's true. It's true. A third don't even bother, of Christians don't even bother to vote. Now let's, let's, let's ask this question. Why are these verses in the Bible? Behold, Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be you therefore wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove's. You know, violence is not an option when it comes to Christians. The idea of someone blowing up an abortion clinic is repugnant. Uh, uh, violence is not an option. But, notice this, uh, Matthew 10 and verse uh, 17. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the council and will scourge you in their synagogue. Now, what's this talking about? They're going to deliver you up to the council? I mean, how, why would they do this if you're living this Christian life where you're never noticed? No one ever notices you. You never speak up. You never do anything. This, Jesus is saying, beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the council and scourge you in their synagogues. And, verse 18, you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. What? Brought before kings? How does this happen? How, how could we be brought before a king? Christians brought before a king. Well, if you never speak out against the king, you never will be brought anywhere. In other words, you don't get into trouble with government unless you trouble government. 
You know, when you sit there and don't tell a person the truth because you're afraid of how they might respond, or you're afraid, you know, you have fear of rejection, or they may kill you because you're afraid of how they might respond, or the truth of the matter is, when you do that, you have rejected that truth for them. It is our Christian duty to stand up for what is right and to stand against what is wrong. That's why we're here, don't you know? That's why God has placed Christians on this earth, to stand up for what is right and to stand against what is wrong. Continuing on in verse, uh, skipping to verse 22, and you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. How could you be hated? How could a Christian be hated? Well, listen, let me tell you how. When your life, your message, condemns the life that others are living, that's how you can be hated. When your life, your message, condemns the life that others are living, that's how you can be hated. There is corruption in the highest places in our society, and Christians, we are to speak out against it. Now, you might say, well, what can I do? I'm old. What can I do? Well, you can write a letter to the newspaper. Some of the articles I've seen in the newspaper are downright disgusting. You think an idiot wrote the letter. But, but you, you can stand up and be heard. Your voice can be heard simply by writing an article to the editor or to the newspaper. You know, here's the bottom line. The church has been way, 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 way too long examining its own navel. You know, just playing church. It's time to speak the truth. It's time to speak the truth about crime, about abortion, about homosexuality, about murder, about theft, about morals, about value-free sex education, to speak the truth. You know, you are involved in politics, whether you like it or not. You really are. And you have two choices, to sit there in your glass cathedral and remain silent or to speak the truth. When I say you're involved in politics, governing others, are you a parent? Do you govern the way your children, you know, how you bring them up? Yeah, you're involved in it, whether you like it or not. And we are to speak the truth. Should a Christian be involved in politics? I want to leave you with this concept. Living free requires character. And character requires an internal morality based upon divine absolutes. absolutes excuse me. An internal morality based upon divine absolutes. Not man's values. You see, if we can create our own values, then we can we're free to change those values. We're free to dismiss their va these values. It's not man's value that I'm talking about. I'm talking about divine absolute, and it's sad to say that Christians can't even agree on the absolutes. I mean, it's sad when we can't even get together and say, yeah, that's what the Bible says is wrong, and we're going to stand against it. It's sad to see that. So, let's understand this. Let's, you know, I don't know, I'm getting ready to say let's save our nation. I don't think that's possible. But let's at least, as a Christian, let's stand up for what is right. And let's stand against what is wrong. And it is your duty. One day you're going to answer to your Savior.
for the choices that you made. And a lot of us are going to have to answer for our silence of doing and saying nothing. And that's what's really in your Bible. Statistics say that 84% of Americans believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ, and 74% confess commitment to Him. Yet America continues the downward spiral towards corruption and immorality. Why has Christianity not worked? With each generation, we seem to go deeper and deeper into the sins that plague our society. In this publication, you will find many articles that will clearly answer the question, why religion will not save America. In the end, you may not like the answer, but the answer has always been there in the pages of your Bible. Order your free copy of Will Religion Save America? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia. 24151. This nation needs to repent. But repent of what? What is sin? Few people, in fact, few religious people, understand the definition of sin. As a nation, we need not only to repent, but we need to have the experience of repentance. Your religion is not enough. Too much confidence in religion can be the downfall of a nation. What is real religion? What is real repentance? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.